All right. Welcome back to the Face Off Spot. This is your host, Adam Larson, and I'd like to thank you guys for tuning into another episode. I always really appreciate it when you guys tune in. I also really appreciate our sponsor at Howie's Hockey Tape Company. Um, if you would like to get 10% off of your Howie's Hockey Tape purchase, please enter the coupon code FACEOFF10. That's FACEOFF and then the number 10 into the coupon code AREA to get 10% off of uh, anything you'd like from Howie's. So once again, big thanks to Howie's. Um, and I would also like to say a big thank you to our next guest. Um, and we've had people like this on here before. Um, we are a, I'll go ahead and say that we're a DFW, a fairly specific uh, podcast here. We have a lot of people uh, from the Dallas-Fort Worth area here. And one of the types of uh, people that we have on the show are people that are from here, but have gone on to play uh, high-level hockey, um, you know, uh, in various leagues, uh, sometimes all around the world, uh, which is what we have today. Um, we have from the Ringerike Panthers, uh, we have Colin Jacobs. Colin, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I know we've talked about doing this for a while, but, uh, you know, when you're overseas and you're halfway across the world, the time difference can be a little bit crazy, but you're back home for a bit. Uh, so thanks for taking some time out to come on the show. Yeah, no problem at all. Like you just said, uh, uh, we've been going back and forth and I've been sleeping when you're, uh, you're wide <laughs> awake. So finally, we're on the same time zone. I'm happy well, to join. Yeah, well, it's funny, too, because we were kind of like trying to do the math. and I, I forgot exactly the, the amount of time, but it's almost just like the only time it would work is if I had to do like in the morning and then it would be super late for you. And so we just kind of uh, decided to wait for a bit. But, uh, you know, uh, gl glad to have you back here. But uh, either way, Colin, you got to start off the episode. Um, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening that, that kind of know you from the area will know a little bit of your story, but I'm sure there will be some other things that uh, pop up that we can talk about here. But uh, you have to start off the show just like anybody else, uh, being kind of from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, how did you get involved in the sport? Might not have been the first time that you actually stepped on the ice, but uh, what kind of got you? Uh, what got you interested in the first place? Um, so I hear that quite a bit. The biggest thing for me was whenever I was growing up, the Dallas Stars were just kind of moving into town um and then obviously they won the cup in 99 that's when their practice facility was still valley ranch and um and so i was playing soccer just like every kid and baseball and other sports and um the stars won the cup in 99 and obviously we all jumped on the bandwagon the, they brought the stanley cup to uh the starbucks right across the street from valley ranch and my dad uh, we lived fairly close we lived in uh, Capel. i grew up in. um and so my dad said hey the stanley cup is at uh, starbucks and so it took us down there and we checked it out and ever since then uh, i mean i fell in love with the game and obviously here i am 29 years old and still in love with it well and it's funny too because you know and like i said before when it was somebody that's coming from dallas fort worth area who's around our same age it usually a lot of those things are tied to that cup win, um, you know, and they talk about um, just a, the amount of eyes that get introduced to the sport whenever. I, I mean, it, sometimes it can happen just for a team making the playoffs. You know, if you make the playoffs, all of a sudden you have some people watching or people interested that it might not have normally been. Uh, and then if you win the Stanley Cup, you know, you hear about that, even if you're not a fan from hockey and to find out, oh, like Dallas won. I live in Dallas. What? Oh, hockey. Um, but it is kind of it is kind of strange how the success of the stars can lead into uh, people like yourself becoming or finding success in hockey. So it's just kind of it's one of those things to where the effect that they can make by being successful 
um, ends up uh, turning out some uh, some good hockey players. But uh, so tell me, when did you first step out onto the ice? Where were you? I know there probably weren't like a whole bunch of rinks down here yet like there are now. But uh, can you kind of talk about where you started and, and how that process went? Yeah, so um, pretty much since I was in Coppell growing up, the only rinks that we really knew about, knew much about was Valley Ranch. Um, and so pretty much, I'd say just a little bit before the Stars won the Cup, whenever they were, they obviously moved into town from Minnesota, um, that's when everyone kind of started hopping on the bandwagon, so to speak. And so my first time just messing around was at a public skate at Valley Ranch. Um, when they actually used to have people running the front desk and now obviously it's just the stars elite now. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I first got on the ice, I was probably four or five years old. So it was just a tad bit after Dallas, or I guess Minnesota moved to Dallas and then, um, turned into the stars, obviously the Dallas stars. So I was about five years old at Valley Ranch and, um, and then obviously I just fell in love with it and still to this day, it's. It's awesome. I even still love watching. I go back to Valley Ranch every now and again, and still, it's bizarre to see or bizarre to think that those are the days that uh, Bill Guerin and Mike Madonna, we'd be able to see those guys practice at, uh, I guess it's rank one. I don't know what they call it now, but it was over on the yeah. side. So it's kind of cool to see all those little memories that, um, I mean, all the kids now that are growing up in the Stars League, they probably don't even realize the Stars, the NHL Stars were practicing there, so. Um, it was a pretty cool thing growing up for sure. Oh yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you you start skating and I think it's cool that, you know, you're, you're out for public skate and that kind of is the thing that gets you, uh, involved. I think public skates, one of the more, uh, undervalued programs, uh, out of hockey, uh, it's cheap. Uh, there's usually not too many people out there. Uh, you just get to work on your skating. Uh, I'm a big proponent of public skate uh, It's underutilized and I'm just using your episode mm -hmm. to. I don't know, say my own talking points, but, uh, anyway, w when do you, when do you, when do you first put on the gear and, um, cause you're, you're five or six, so you're, you're probably starting around the my age, but, um, do you kind of go to your dad and say that you want to play hockey or does he kind of see you, uh, getting interested in it? So he's like, Hey, like a uh, kid's interested in it, but, uh, how does that process start? So my family was a big soccer family. Uh, my dad played soccer forever. Um, obviously my mother was athletic. So uh, my sister and I were, thankfully, we had decent amount of athleticism. And um, so they all played soccer. I grew up playing soccer. And then uh, obviously the stars and everything that kind of happened. And uh, which led to me hopping on the ice, fell in love with it. And then after five, six years old was when we started getting into league play and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of started out with that and played through house and all that stuff when you're that little. And then Obviously, the travel picks up, obviously, once you start getting a little bit older. And it was cool for me because uh, the biggest thing I kind of found I took pride in was being able to stay in Dallas all the way through my AAA hockey from all the way to, or I guess when I first started at Valley Ranch, throwing on the public skate, rental skate that you mm -hmm. clip in from all the way to when I left to junior hockey. So uh, my family just kind of supported me in whatever that I was doing. and whether it be soccer, whether it be baseball, whether it be hockey, whatever it was. So, I mean, I think they preferred hockey a little bit uh, to keep them out of the heat and the Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, 
but no, they, they supported us the whole way. My sister and I both, obviously she played soccer, but, um, I just got into it and, you know, I just love being on the indoors and, and I wasn't a fan of being out in the 105 degree heat, but that's what really kept me in the game at the start. And then obviously the rest is history from there. Yeah, no, it's funny. Uh, cause I'm, I'm from Tulsa originally and, um, you know, I played uh, travel in, in high school, but the uh, one of the big like, you know, 5A or, you know, one of the big football schools was right down the street from the rink. So I'd be driving to the rink, headed to practice. I look over to my left and see all the football players. It's 110 degrees outside. They're doing push ups on the and I'm like, man, that seems terrible. Like, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I, I might I might have to go to the rink and skate my butt off, but I'll do that all day as opposed to just, you know, sitting out and baking in the sun. But anyway, I think we made the uh, right decision there. I think we're both a little bit biased, but I think we picked the right sport there. Um, but moving forward just a little bit, because I do want to get kind of a little bit closer to you getting into your Stars Elite days here. Um, but at what point do you realize like, hey, um, you know, I might have a good go at this and things are starting to get uh, competitive and, you know, AAA hockey is, not something that you can go into, you know, half-assed, so to speak, but um, kind of how old were you? Not when you were good, but at what age did it become serious and uh, to where you were really focused on, you know, what your future plans were uh, for playing juniors or, you know, uh, professional? Um, you know, once I started out, uh, you know, I just felt things were coming a little bit easier to me in hockey than other sports. And so, after that, I just kind of slowly kept developing at a quicker rate than I guess I really expected. I found I was having a little more success in hockey than baseball or whatever it was. And so after that, I kind of just stuck with hockey. And uh, and then once I got to AAA, I made my AAA team whenever, I don't even remember the ages, whenever it starts, but um, we, we had the Ice Jets is what it was called. And Mm-hmm. Um, so I started with the ice jets whenever that was kind of unfolding. And, um, and after that, really, I just kept growing with the organization, kept growing with Dallas hockey, really. And, um, I just found myself just finding more success each year, just being involved with some great coaches. Um, and then once I started getting a little bit older, closer to like junior hockey age, where they start looking at you, I guess around 13, 14, when you kind of started getting some eyes in the stands, um, our coaching staff kind of said, Hey, you know, you may have a chance of doing this or that. And, um, after that, I kind of, my goal was obviously to play in the NHL the very first day I put on the skates. Um, you know, I just felt I was just developing each year and, you know, the phone was ringing for me to have another opportunity to play elsewhere. And so I think that's what kind of led me to. I had the passion, but I didn't know being in Dallas, you don't really know what route is possible or what route makes sense or whether you should go junior, major junior, whether you should stay back, whether you should call, whatever it may be. So we, I just kind of played and whoever called, I kind of just took the call and took the advice and just kept playing and and it led me to where I am now. Well, and because the thing is, is that these connections that you're talking about and kind of finding that path, um, I mean, the stars elite and the stars and hockey at the time that you're playing, it's still big, but it's not as big as it is now. Um, so it's one of those things to where, you know, you may have been not like one of the first, but you're kind of in that 
first group of like, okay, like, where do we go now? Like, where are we playing? Like, we're yeah. good. Like, we're looking for somewhere else to go. I feel like nowadays it's like fast track, you know, just because those oh, connections, sure. those connections are so much more like built in uh, between like the coaches that are with the elite mm -hmm. and uh, some of the connections that they have. Because you can kind of see that a lot of the kids take some of the same paths through some of the same junior teams and some of the, and it's like, oh, there's a connection here. There's, but when you're, when you are there, cause you know, you're a little bit, little bit older now, but when you're there, those connections probably aren't as, as prevalent. So you're really kind of a little bit more on your own, I'm assuming. Is that correct? For sure. For sure. And that's the thing. Cause was, I was born in 93 and we only had, uh, before us 1990 or 1991 i think chris brown I, I don't know he's 90 or 91 um and we're still good buddies to this day he was kind of one of the first few guys that moved on he went and played at the u.s program and um and so after we kind of knew about that like he was one of the first few guys that really left texas and played and Obviously, Blake Coleman is in 1991 as well, I think. And he moved and played AAA right before he went to junior hockey. So, I mean, we all had different routes. Um, and so my team, what I grew up with was myself, Stefan Nason, Casey Holman. Um, so a lot of us kind of just, for our 1993 group, we just were playing. And um, whoever kind of called is that's kind of the way we went. Um, like Nason ended up being in Michigan for a little bit, which led him to the OHL and then me just staying in Dallas. I was um, just my, the area you're drafted from is WHL. And, uh, Holman, Casey Holman went to the USHL. So, I mean, we all went different ways and Christian Fry was our goalie and he mm -hmm. went and played USHL as well. So it was all brand new to us. We had no idea. Some of our buddies played, uh, North American Hockey League. So, I mean, we all kind of just branched out in random places all over the U.S. and Canada. And so, I mean, we really didn't have, uh, like the kids do now, like the knowledge that they have of major junior or what, whatever route they want to take. There's just knowledge behind it. We were just kind of winging it. Um, it worked out for us, thankfully, but uh, we were definitely kind of winging it at that start, <clears throat> starting time. Well, and the, the thing is, too, is that like, you know, now, you know, they have people that are like, OK, like, let me work on this for you. Like, you know, I'll, I'll put in words or see you know, what might fit. And it sounds like when you're playing, it's like you have to have people get a hold of you. Like, like you're you're waiting on the phone calls or you're you know, all you can really, you know, be worried about is going out there and, and playing good hockey, uh, you know, and as long as you did that, uh, then things just started to go. But I do think it's cool. And I'm sure you've been back to the Valley Ranch uh, rank at, at some point recently. but. I think it's cool that they have all the players that have moved on, uh, you know, whether or not they played, you know, uh, high level juniors, pro, whatever it is. But it's just a, it's a it's a nice little um, homage or, you know, w whatever you want to call it. But it's one of those things when I'm thinking about like, oh, who should some of my guests be on the show? I'm like, oh, I walked in there. I'm like, there's tons of people like I could, I could, oh, yeah. I got, I got, I got. you know, and as long as I've. As long as I've heard their name a few times before, I'm like, I'm going to get a hold of that guy or, you know, it's just, but uh, it is cool that they, that they have, have some of those things up. Cause I think that it, it, it takes those younger kids and it shows them that it's possible uh, to do this out of the Dallas, Dallas Fort Worth area. Like I said, I am from Tulsa. Uh, the path from Tulsa is that you had to be good enough. You had to be the best person in Tulsa. Then you had to move down to Dallas. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, I was a little bit more uh, separated from that, but. Um, yeah, it must be nice to walk in there every once in a while and just uh, maybe see some familiar faces. 
up on the wall. But uh, anyway, um, so I kind of wanted to get into the transition of um, getting drafted and, um, you know, going to play pro. I've you know had a handful of, of people on the show that have been drafted, uh, drafted by NHL teams. But I always kind of like to get the, the story of, you know, um, did you know you were going to be drafted? Did it, was it a little bit of a surprise? Like, how does that whole thing work? Um, I'm just always interested in, in what that story is. So for me, um, it obviously my first, so I went and played mid MHL at 16 years old, um, and had a good start to my WHL career. And, um, so, I mean, that kind of propelled me into my draft year, which was my second season in the WHL. Um, so they do this thing called the top prospects game where it's all OHL, WHL, and Quebec major junior. It's basically an all-star game of all the draft eligible players that they've ranked. Um, and so they do that in your second season of major junior or your draft year or whatever it may be. So I got off to a good start, um, kind of piggybacked off my first rookie season in the WHL. And, and then they normally do that around Christmas time. Um, or just after, just before, I can't remember what it was, but uh, got off to a good start in my draft year, um, was selected to play in the CHL Top Prospects game, and that's where they, you may have seen it with uh, Bobby Orr and uh, Don Cherry were the head coaches. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. a big old kind of event. And so after that, you're kind of ranked by central scouting. And at, once that kind of happens, you kind of, the fact that you've been selected to be one of the 20 players out of all of, major junior hockey in all of Canada and the U.S., you kind of have an idea that now you're on the radar and it's almost kind of, if you don't come to the table and do well the remaining second half of the year, it's kind of on you. And so, I mean, now you're at the forefront of all the NHL scouts. Now that teams are, you're talking about your teams are already placing you where they think they're lineups. Um, so right after that, I kind of, I, I obviously you can't ever take anything for granted, but I, Knew that I was going to have a chance of being drafted. Um, and then, uh, obviously, I just played out the rest of the year. Unfortunately, it was an injury-riddled second half of the season where uh, I dislocated both shoulders. Uh, and so that kind of changed the entire draft prompt me because then the NHL dra- uh scouting combine comes around where you meet with all the teams and you do all the physical testing and um that's in toronto and and i had double shoulder surgery obviously before that so i couldn't do any of the testing mm-hmm. and so so they'll have a like a midterm ranking of the players obviously that they think are going to be drafted in the first two rounds or whatever it is and then um, once you get to the very end, they do like a final, whatever it may be, final ranking, really call it now, I don't know what it is now. But um, so I saw where I was kind of ranked and where people thought. And, and so I go meet the GMs and had all the stuff. And here I am bringing a sheet of paper saying, hey, I just had both shoulders operated. <laughs> and so uh, hopefully you guys take me. And so yeah. that was a little nerve wracking because it definitely did play a factor into where I was. But uh, so yeah, so long story short, that's kind of how I knew I was there's a possibility uh, of being drafted and then the day came and obviously it was really exciting. Yeah, no, and it's one of those things to where like are you like watching it with your family? Are you like what's your 
um, since since you're at this point, I mean, you're you're pretty sure that you're going to get drafted. Like, I don't know. Like, what's that like? What's the what what's being drafted? <laughs> are, are, are you are you thinking? Are, are you just wanting to make it? Are you hoping a certain team drafts you? Like, there's I don't know. There's got to be a little bit more to it. Well, for me, uh, the biggest thing is being a Dallas guy. I wanted to be playing for Dallas, oh, yeah. um, like every Dallas kid's dream. And um, so, I mean, right before, so our, I was ranked high enough where they said that I should go to the draft. Um, and so then, because I think it was, I'd have to check. I think it was like 38 or something. And so once you're, if you're top 40 kind of ranked, um, they you, obviously you know you have a fairly decent shot of getting drafted especially in the yeah. top two rounds and so once that kind of happened my agent uh, has all of his clients that are ranked that high will fly out to the draft and so my family and i went out to the draft it was in minnesota and that was a cool experience because uh, i got all of our family to fly out there and uh, we were able to sit in the fans and go through the whole draft process hear my name on the big uh jumbotron whatever you want to call them the speakers yeah i'm uh, going down there getting the jersey doing the whole deal so uh, it was a blast i mean especially to have my family there too um, and just yeah. being in the there's nothing like being in an nhl arena hearing your name over the big speakers is a really cool feeling well and i mean and to be able to share in that you know with your family because <laughs> and, and i would i would go ahead and say this like regardless of whether or not you go on to have you know, a full NHL career or whatever, like that is uh, an experience that not a whole lot of people, uh, sure. you know, g- get to be a part of. So, you know, it's almost just like, you, you know, at a point you're still, I'm, I'm assuming that your family just has to be so proud and just be like, man, like, I can't believe, I mean, they can believe they're there, but just one of those things where like, you know, they're there with you every day since you're, I don't know, six or seven. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. just to, to see that transition. But uh, usually behind good hockey players, you will find that there is a lot of support from really good families. Um, so that uh, that part is not uh, not too surprising. But um, anyway, so uh, you get drafted, but um, obviously they don't uh, they don't send you straight there. Um, what kind of happens after that? Um, who are you playing for? And 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 what is it like to kind of show up, you know, maybe to your first uh, professional, even if it's your practice, your, your first professional event? Um, and are there any nerves? Uh, what is that like? Yeah, it was definitely an experience because <clears throat> obviously you're 17 years old getting drafted or turning 18, whatever it is. And then uh, I got drafted that summer. And then the next, so leading up to that new season, obviously all the guys will go into the training camp. So oh, that was my first training camp. I was 18 years old. And, uh, here I am, you know, walking in the locker room with my hockey bag, just kind of starstruck. I was picked by Buffalo, and and this was when they, you know, their their fan base is wild. Obviously, they're the Buffalo Bills NFL. You hear Bills Mafia. Their their hockey mm-hmm. is the exact same. It's it's crazy how supportive and loud. And, so, I mean, I'm walking in, it's a small city too. So like everyone knows who you are, you're walking through the airport, here I am as a young, um, just turned 18 year old and I'm looking around and everyone's just like, oh, those are the new draft picks. So it was, it was bizarre because I've never been in a position like that where you're at airports and people are noticing you. And, and even if you're just a recent draft pick, like they're just so in love with their sports and 
it's, it, it was a crazy experience. And so anyways, we get in there and my first training camp, obviously we go through regular day in the life of training camp stuff where you got the ring train and skate and practicing. Um, then you get your preseason games, which is really cool. And uh, being able to be thrown on an NHL jersey, playing against some of the best players on the planet. Uh, so that kind of goes on for two or three weeks, depending on how long you stick around. And after about three weeks or so, they start sending all the junior kids back, which would be myself, um, all my draft class. And um, So I went back to Seattle after that, played my third year in the Western Hockey League. Um, in Seattle. So I got my first taste of NHL training camp then went back to Seattle. Um, and I actually, I'm trying to think of what year it was. So I actually take that back. My first year, I actually didn't skate because I had double shoulder surgery. So I actually mm-hmm. was drafted and I went in and, um, I saw the guys in practice and everything. And I was just on the, the doing gym stuff with the team cause I couldn't skate yet. So, um, anyways, finished that up, went to Seattle. Didn't even play till Christmas until both of the shoulders were healed up. Finished the rest of my season in Seattle. Following summer, then obviously you go back into training camp again. That was my true first taste of being on the ice with the guys, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just in the gym um, with them. And so I was on the ice. It's just a regular, you know, you get on the ice, your practice, your gym sessions, your recoveries, all that stuff. So um, that was a true eye-opening moment, being on the ice with those guys and playing in preseason and stuff. And, well, and if you wouldn't mind me, if you wouldn't mind me interrupting real quick, <clears throat> is it, I mean, is it a noticeable, I mean, you're, you're playing with some of the best hockey players in the world. You know, they say, what is it? 1%, less than 1% of everybody plays hockey ends up being, so you're, you're literally playing against the best in the world. Is it noticeable? I mean, you're a, a good hockey player at this point. You, you, you deserve to be there, but is it noticeable? Is it, and if so, how is it noticeable? Well, and that, that's the thing too, because one thing my buddies and I always talk about, even to this day, like even right now, like we'll see, because a lot of us will do some work with kids in the summer and stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff we see is everyone is so about high level tricked up skill stuff. And then we kind of think back to it as like, oh, when you watch highlights of the NHL games, oh, all you're seeing is the nice cross ice saucer pass where dry saddles ripping it across McDavid's going in and dangling. You see it. So all you think is like, oh my goodness, it's crazy skilled but that is part of it but to answer your question um when you're out there there really isn't a massive difference from a lot of the players and i'm not talking about dry i'm not talking about mcdave right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it's all those guys kind of below that are there's not really much of a difference from them to like the guys in the minors um and the only real difference is just their ability to understand the game because mm-hmm. it's not like whoever is squatting more than, you know, me or squatting or hand cleaning more than me or whatever. It's just they think the game in a way that allows them to be in better positions. And it's not like, because I, I see, I do lessons with kids here and I see some kids doing stuff that, I'm just like, wow, there's no way some of these guys in the NHL could even do this. And, right. And so it's don't, the way I say that, it, it may sound like I'm saying there's not as much skill in the NHL, which there is, but it's just the, the difference is how smart the players are. And they, they just move around the ice so intelligently 
that that was the biggest difference where sometimes I would just be so out of position. I'm like, holy smokes, man. Like, yeah. And and I feel like I have to catch up because I have to sprint so hard to get back in position where these guys are just there. And it's just, they just think the game's so much quicker that it looks easier. But, uh, but I'd say just the way they think it's, what's the biggest thing is. Well, and and it, it's 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 funny you ended up with this because I've asked this question before, and it it, it usually kind of ends up the same way. Is they're just a couple steps ahead as far as just mm-hmm. knowing what the next play is going to be when they get the puck. It's just that that extra little. So it's one of those things to where like if you were to rate it, I mean you could rate it as maybe hockey IQ or uh, decision making, mm-hmm. whatever whatever you want to call it. But that kind of being the biggest factor. Um, and then and then when you start to think about it that way, it's almost like, well, the only way to really get that way is to play high level hockey against some of the best people for, I mean, from starting as young as you can to as old as you can, because you can be a really good hockey player with high skills. But if you aren't having people that test your uh, IQ or your hockey intelligence, then it's like you almost need a team to play against to teach yes. you those things, if that makes sense. Christy. Completely. And I think that's very accurate because you can have all the skill in the world. You can be the fastest guy on the planet, but until you're in that environment where everyone can skate just as good as you, everyone can shoot just as good as you, you don't know how to properly use it when everyone else can do it just as good or when everyone can skate just as fast as you. So then it really, and that's why the NHL is so kind of your question before, like that's why it's so special. Those, all those NHL guys, because you see even fourth line guys and uh, like kids will probably like make jokes about fourth line NHLers and stuff, but those guys are just as skilled as everyone else on the ice. It's, it's crazy because the way they think it's, it's just totally different. And the only way to experience that, like you said, is being at those levels. And, and the only way to experience major junior hockey and, and to develop at that level is on, is to be there and it's the only way to experience it is really just being a part of it so yeah well it's like almost like trying to get stronger with having you don't have enough weights like you know what i mean it's like you eventually run away it's like it's like i can bench uh 250 or 200 it's like Mm -hmm. well can you bench anymore it's like i don't know i don't have any more weights like you know it really can be one of those (laughs) things where it's like i need some more difficulty i need these things but you know it's just for the most part when i talk to people like yourself that is the biggest part is just the, the IQ, the decision making, being in proper position. But they've just had to do that for so long. And I do like how you, I do like how you shout out the fourth line guys because it's it's amazing to me. Like those guys are going out there, and there's a reason that they're playing in the NHL. Like they might mm-hmm. have certain instructions by their coaches. And the other thing too is that they usually don't get scored on. You know what I mean? Like just mm-hmm. not be, even being able to not get scored on uh, or going against like some of the top lines like. Hey, your job is to stop these, you know, great players from scoring. It's like, well, that you have to be a really good hockey player to stop that from happening. You know, you don't have usually don't have your first line up against your other first line. You know, it's like you have to there has to be some 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 fourth line work there. And I've always appreciated I've always appreciated the fourth uh, fourth liners. But uh, anyway, getting back into your story. though. Um, So uh, at this point, uh, you are you're, you're playing professionally. Um, I think you end up uh, uh, you end up with the Americans at some point, or am I skipping too far ahead? No, once I finished with uh, major junior WHL, I ended up in Rochester, which is uh, Rochester Americans. 
which is the same or uh, which is the AHL or possible. Yeah. So uh, you you end up there. Um, now you're starting to get uh, to get some games in, yeah. For sure. And so, so I started out. It was it was tough. I'm gonna be honest with you. Buffalo was going through rebuild at the time. Um, so my so I signed my contract after my 19 year old season at WHL. And so then my 20 year old season, I went to my first training camp, where technically they could be like, "Oh, you're on the team." So they don't really look at um, 18, 19 year olds to make the team back then, unless you're a first round pick. Right. Um, so this is my first true chance to kind of open some eyes, see if what they thought. And so anyways, I end up in the American Hockey League that year. Um, and I hurt my shoulder again, which was unfortunate, but that's obviously part of it. And then uh, um, I went in to get some more games. I went and played in the East Coast League in Elmira, New York. Uh, and then obviously I went back to Rochester and then um, just kind of did the bouncing back and forth from Rochester and Elmira, which is AHL-ECHL. Um, for the three years, each year, my I had a new general manager of Buffalo just because they, they rebuild, they had a tough time. And so my first year pro, they had a new GM. My second year pro, I had a new GM. My third year pro had a new GM. And by then, they are like, all right, on to the next kind of thing. So it's it, that from that standpoint, there was we didn't have as much development just because when new brass comes in, right? You're going to want your own flavor. And, yeah. Um, if you were well, there before, you're. But this is bad. This is when Buffalo is. I mean, they had a yeah. they had a tough stretch. They if every. I mean, they're kind of coming back from it, but uh, they, oh, yeah. they 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 certainly uh, certainly had a rough stretch there. But um um but you know you're you're playing there and uh, I know you've uh, moved around quite a bit in, in your professional mm-hmm. career, but uh, where would you consider to be? Not your home, because, you know, I think that you would say that the Dallas Forward area is your home or Capel. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as your professional career, um, where did you spend the most time and where do you kind of consider home? Uh, and this is before you go overseas, but where, uh, yeah, where would you say that is? So I think there's a couple of reasons I'm going to say this answer, but uh, I'm going to say, so my first three years were really challenging for myself just because I had the intention of playing in the NHL pretty quickly and then things happen in life that obviously you can't control and it is what it is you know and i'm thankful that i'm at where i'm at but after my three-year deal with buffalo ended i was able to play in atlanta which um that was east coast league so that was so once you kind of finish your nhl deal and you don't really get a sniff um or you don't show that you're worthy of an NHL roster spot, you kinda have to rebrand yourself and you kinda gotta start at the East Coast level unless you get, you know, a bounce to play in the American League right away. But I had to rebrand myself in the East Coast League and that was in Atlanta. And so to answer your question, I would say Atlanta is where I kinda had the most fun for myself and just kinda being me, being me as a hockey player, being myself away from the rink, um, growing my game to what it used to be. And so um, Atlanta was awesome for me. I got to play a lot. Unfortunately, I had another shoulder surgery that year. So <laughs> Your first shoulders. Year. <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and I guess the teams that didn't draft me, they're probably, you know, marking that <laughs> off the box, kind of saying, okay, we dodged that one. So, um, yeah. 
but no, Atlanta was awesome. I unfortunately had that shoulder surgery again in Atlanta, but I was able to play, had a great time there. The coaching staff was awesome to me. I played there again the following year um, and was healthy, thankfully, and, and still had a great time. And our team wasn't doing the greatest towards the playoff time. And so I was able to be traded to uh, Toledo, which is with Detroit. It's an East Coast League team, and they're always a big powerhouse in the East Coast for you know, playoffs and championships. So, mm -hmm. uh, but besides that, Atlanta, to answer your question, Atlanta, I really had an awesome time and I kind of refound myself, refound my game um, and just had a great time too. It was a cool city that we lived in. But, Atlanta but, was awesome. But as part of that process, because I know it can be difficult. You have, uh, you know, your dream is to play in the NHL, which is a very difficult dream. You get very close. I can understand how that can kind of be you know, like, man, it's just, I'm getting this bad luck. My shoulders, like, you know, keep messing up on me. But I, I, did you have to like learn? Cause I hear this and if this isn't the case, it's fine. Um, but did you have to like learn how to like enjoy the sport again? They talk about people doing that. Um, what were some of the things when you talk about rebranding or kind of, you know, finding yourself again? Um, what are some of those things that are, or what are some of those practices that you did to because um, I think every hockey player kind of has that thing. We all love the sport, but there's just times where you have to kind of refocus and re-energize. And, and what, what, what did that look like for you? Well, I think the best part that happened to me in Atlanta was just, so when you're in the American League and you're on an NHL deal, there's so much of that microscope, just every breath you take is you're under a microscope. And so that was a little challenging just when things weren't going great. I was young. I didn't really understand how to be a pro. I didn't understand like certain things I should be doing on the ice to earn more ice time or whatever. And, and part of that was just because we had new coaches, new management, new every, I have three different coaches my first three years. So I didn't really know how to be a pro until I went to Atlanta and I had good coaching staff there. And I think the biggest part of kind of the rebranding uh, that we're sp speaking of was having a coaching staff that truly allowed you to play what got you there in the first place. Because if you're on contract with an NHL team, you're trying to fit the mold that they have predetermined for you. And if you just don't fit that, you just you kind of run into some hiccups along the road. And so thankfully in Atlanta, they just said, Hey, play your game, play responsible, uh, but try to produce and score goals and um, be a leader for, for all these younger guys as well, because I was kind of an older guy at that point. I was like 22 years old, which sounds silly, but oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. an older yeah. guy. And uh, so a lot of that kind of comes with the coaching staff you know, giving me that opportunity. Cause if I didn't have that opportunity, then I could be still trying to figure out who I am as a player. I always heard this growing up, figure out who you are as a player than later or else you'll never really stick. You'll never have a chance. And so some people learn early and they make the NHL quick or some people don't, they never, they're just a different player each year. So Atlanta truly allowed me to just play and enjoy and have fun. And um, so I credit all that to the coaching staff. And I think that's what happens with a lot of players you see that go through some tough times. And then they, all of a sudden, they're just like, wow, this guy is the best player on the planet. You see that a lot of NHL guys too, that will come into the league and 
they have all the hype of, oh, this guy is going to be, you know, one of the best ever. He's going to be amazing. You kind of look at Jack Hughes, for example, you know, he comes into the league and, and people are like, oh, he's the first overall pick. He's going to have 110 points this year. And then obviously he doesn't do that. Then he's kind of in a weird spot, but then he has the new coaching staff that just says, hey, man, do your thing. And obviously now a couple of years later, he's one of the best players in the league. So I think a lot of that has to do with the coaching staff, just trusting with their players and and there's a lot of coaches that are like that. The teams that end up winning the cup, winning the Stanley Cup, it seems like they're all great people that are just letting their players play and they're just helping little pieces of their game. And that's what I hear all the time from Cooper. I've had a few friends play for him, but they all say he's the most amazing coach they've ever had because he's a good dude that trusts his players to do what they're best at. So, I mean, I think that helps a lot too. Yeah, well, and it's funny you talked about that. I kind of I read something recently about um, Capo Keiko and uh, Lafreniere from uh, New, the New York Rangers, and it's almost like they didn't expect to kind of um, as a they as a team they didn't expect to kind of rebuild as quickly, and they thought maybe they could give those guys some time to uh, be creative and kind of find their own way. And then they they started rebuilding get better. So they're like, oh wait, no, we need you guys like on the third line. Like we just need you to hustle and chip pucks in and they're like oh okay like whatever you need us to do but then a few years later when they're like oh like we're it's like well no we've been you know uh, we haven't been the guy we haven't you know uh been put in those situations to be the guy and you know when you have uh i Keiko was second lafreniere was first but it's like you get these guys and you're thinking that you're you know gonna take some time and just uh you know get get them warmed up and everything and then all of a sudden you get good, but it's like, now people are wondering like, oh, why didn't they pan out? It's like, well, you, you forced them into a role isn't what you drafted them to be, you know, just because you thought you had a chance to win now, but there is definitely something to just allowing players to kind of, uh, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, like there's just something to that because now all of a sudden, you know, those players and this is all just, you know, forums and, and talking and whatnot, but it's one of those things to where like now they don't, trust themselves they've been in the the league so long that they don't trust themselves to be the guy because they've never yeah. been put in that position before you know and so now it's like well yeah. did they did they kind of ruin that so it's just that's kind of just adding to your point there but you have to allow your players to um you know be put in those positions but it, it, it's funny i've heard a lot of things about cooper but it's like i would just love to just know how he does what he does because i feel like he has a secret or like a trick or like a, I mean, he obviously, you know, has a good team, but it's like, how does this happen? How does this, you know what I mean? It is interesting. And that's the thing. Cause I have a couple of friends that are skilled players under him. And I have a couple of one of them, Blake Coleman is one of them as well. Who's like a hard nose competing, skating. And uh, yeah. so, I mean, he, I have a couple of buddies are just two total different styles of players. And both have said the same thing where they're like, man, like he just finds ways to, you know, push us and, and we win games. And so I think a lot, and you see it a lot now, there so many coaches are adapting to different styles because obviously they adapt too, right? And, um, they're adapting to more of like a player first mentality instead of we're the coaches, they follow us. It almost seems now a lot of the teams that are winning are coaches that are saying, we're following you guys and we're going to tinker with things here and there, but we're following you, the player, as opposed to the other way around back in the day. But that's just the game changing. The coaches obviously changed their styles too. And mm -hmm. um, especially the game's so much younger now. I mean, 
the now it's every single draft class once the guys get drafted there's 10 15 guys playing the nhl that year yeah where whenever we were getting drafted i think you'd have one guy playing the nhl that year so it's a much younger game and these coaches are having to learn to you know coach instead of coaching you know 29 30 year olds and um, demanding respect from them they're coaching 18 year olds at you know we're going mm-hmm. to play an xbox all day so it's totally different. <laughs> it's pretty cool yeah well and, and the, the, yeah and the other thing too and i have had this conversation but i think it's an interesting conversation but it's like the young kids can come in now and make an impact right away so it's almost just like and um i mean i was always i feel like coached like in an old school way and um you know because that's just how how it was and i feel like there's times that i coach that way um but i feel like i coach that way because i'm like okay like um, that's where I found success or that worked for me, but it's like, oh, I never actually got like a good sample size of what it was be like, or I never got coached by a player's coach. We'll put it that way. You know what I mean? So it's, it's one of those where like, I don't know what it's like cause it never happened to me, but I might be kind of interested in learning more about this, you know, player coach, but it's not that the coaches back then were, they were just doing what worked for them and we're doing what worked for us. And at a certain sure. point that just kind of changes, but. With these young kids, I almost just feel like it kind of levels. I mean, granted, the game's different now. Uh, it's built more around speed and, you know, just uh, and skill. But at the end of the day, I think that it it kind of shakes up that whole veteran thing, you know. And now there has to be a little bit more respect for, and I'm not saying these kids aren't respectful that are coming up in the league, but there just almost has to be a little bit more respect for some of these younger kids that, you know, deserve to kind of be there and to uh, be in the situations, you know, that they're in. And there doesn't need, why does there need to be three years where they don't play or four? You know, it's just, if if they can make an impact now with the way that the game is structured, then why not just let them do it, you know? And it's on a case-to-case basis by every player, but I just, I think it's crazy not to just, if the if the kids are ready, just, you know, let them go play and have the veterans there to, because I feel like some of the best teams in the NHL or in, in any professional, I'll say any professional uh, sports organization, you're going to have those younger players are going to get so much better by having good veterans on the team. But it's not one of those things where the veterans have to hold off on, you know, being around those kids for four years or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like get them in there early, like get them around the vets. They can go out and they can make an impact in the game. Just like let them do that. But yeah, you, you didn't used to see that. You didn't used to see those younger kids going out and a either getting the the playing time or making an impact and now they're doing both it's it's it, it makes i think it makes it more fun well for sure and like you said too it's it kind of trickles back to what you're saying earlier where you know a guy is drafted or he's signed or he's brought in to be a skill guy or he's brought in to be a goal scorer he's brought in to be a solid third line checker whatever it may be a lot of these teams now are and they bring those guys in, they're putting them right in those roles. They're not starting them out on fourth line and say, hey, you're playing 12 minutes a night or uh, eight minutes a night. You're not going to do nothing. And how are you going to tell a skill guy, you know, how, how is he going to do something on the fourth line? When, you know, he's never done that. And right. so you see a lot of teams now bringing their guys in. And that's why I think the league is so young now is um, they're bringing these guys in that are these skill positions. And they're like, hey, you know, we're you've scored you know you've done that your whole life we're throwing you right into the fire right now and that's what you're going to do we're not going to stick you on the fourth line and, um 
so, I mean, it's a total different way they go about it now, but I mean, heck, if you're going to draft a player and sign him and, and invest, I mean, it's your investment, right? So you might as well put your money in the right place and let it grow the way that, you know, you right. should kind of thing. And unless you, I don't know, some teams like developing different ways, people have yeah. different ideas well, behind it, but it's. It's one of those things, uh, this is an old saying, but you don't expect a fish to climb up a tree, but it does pretty good at swimming. You know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah, you, exactly you got, right. you, you got to put things, you got to put uh, things in situations that uh, they can be successful. Um, we're getting close to the end of this and I did want to get to this part of it because I think this part mm -hmm. is cool. Um, but just the transition and, and to playing overseas, um, I do find, and this was the case for you, but um, that people usually go over there because the money is good and it's good hockey. There's a lot of good players. Um, but since the ice is bigger and it's not quite as physical, you can actually kind of sustain a physical body and you can actually, you know, be healthier for a little while and, and, and kind of play hockey. But uh, can you kind of talk about uh, how that happened and maybe your decision uh, to go play over there? Because um, I feel like that's a, it's a it's a popular decision towards the end of one's career because uh, the money is good. Uh, it's fun to travel and visit. You're living in Norway, which is one of the most beautiful countries in the world so it, it makes sense on paper but can you kind of uh, go through that process well no like you said with the bigger ice and that's what a lot of people do is towards the end of their career just to extend the duration of it and everyone's goal is to play in the nhl and if the opportunity ever arose to come back and play obviously it'd be amazing to jump on that but for me i had four shoulder surgeries and that's what kind of affected a lot of my career unfortunately but i'm thankful that that that's the way it's led me and i've been excited to enjoy europe because it is an amazing experience and i don't think if you know if i would be playing in north america you know having the success that i was hoping you know at an earlier age i probably would have never experienced north or europe so um it's awesome it's bigger ice so there's a lot less contact and there's more emphasis on just playing with the puck and being creative and so that's the cool part about it um because on small ice here in North America, you don't really realize it until you go over there. It's almost like you're playing hockey on a soccer field mm -hmm. just because you have so much. The game is still fast, but you just have that much more time to kind of pick your head up and look around the ice and see if there's something open. So um, a lot of players do that, A, those reasons you mentioned, and, and B, just to experience Europe because, like you said, if, you know, I mean, if I, if I didn't you know, sign a contract to play in Europe, but probably really wouldn't ever go over unless, you know, I had a random trip with the family at some point in my life. But I mean, it's been an amazing experience. It's really cool to see different cultures and different lifestyles, different ways people think about hockey too. And that's another thing that's totally different too, their coaching and their strategy. And so it's cool to see different parts of the world and the way they view hockey, honestly. Yeah, no, that's totally cool because I feel like for the longest time, this is before, I don't know, the internet or whatever, but it was just like, oh, the Europeans, they play hockey a completely different way uh, than North Americans. And it's just, it's different. It's always going to be that way. But now there's enough, uh, you know, communication and mm -hmm. uh, players going in between. But um, I mean, I'm sure that they have been, um, you know, there is a difference between North American hockey and European hockey. Um, I feel like it's getting closer to kind of being one thing, but for the most part, it always has been a little bit different. Um, but at the end of the day, I feel like you could take a lot of what you're learning over there 
uh, and use it for your, because you said you did uh, lessons. I've seen you out doing lessons. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you get to kind of <laughs> use some of what you learned there and come back and teach it here. Is that correct? Well, that's the biggest selling point, like you said. The biggest selling point for me is because I teach a lot of kids around the rinks here. And I've been able to experience different coaches and different, you know, ideas that in North America, everything's about North South hockey. A little bit, there's a lot more creativity now, but it's North South hockey, strong, hold pucks, you know, chip and chase if you got nothing. But over there, it's, you know, when I was in Slovakia, it was more of like a, heavier kind of guys where they're a lot stronger and they could all rip the puck and they were all focused on shooting. Everyone was a shooter. And then whenever we were in, I was in the league was in Austria. That was a lot of, it's just all different. So in Norway, it's a lot of skating. So each country kind of has its own little deal that they're focused on. Scandinavian countries are all such great skaters. Um, and Slovak, Slovaks, Czechs, all that stuff, even over in Russia, it's, you know, it's a little mix of North American where you got the strength, the guys like can rip the puck too. So it's, it's mm-hmm. different, but I, but anyway, so I, I kind of pick up a lot of different things and try to teach the kids here that, you know, there's some things that they do amazing over there that in North America, we don't just simply do to, we haven't really experienced that style. And then obviously it goes back and forth, but. So, I mean, I, I find it just as important playing over there to learn not only to do well in hockey, but also be able to bring Matt back and teach the kids that I skate with too. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. And uh, like I said, I've seen you out there before. Uh, I, don't yeah. see you out in, I don't see you out in Mansfield very often anymore, uh, but uh, it's okay. Um, but <laughs> next time you're out there, I'll make sure to uh, stop by and, and say hi. Um, and then yeah, at, some, at, some, at some point, at some point, we'll uh, certainly try and... Uh, get together um but anyway this is this is towards the end of the show and we only have one more segment um i hope we didn't miss anything but uh, this is called the shout out um the shout out there's rules to this um you have to say something positive uh it can be anything uh this usually can be a shout out to friends and family uh we do uh coaching mantras uh, uh fun good ideas uh pretty much anything that's positive uh, that you can kind of shout out into the uh, universe that you think will uh, benefit others. Oh, that, I wasn't expecting that one. No, I mean, I, I guess <laughs> big shout out, big shout out to Dallas hockey and continuing to do what they do because it's, I love seeing the growth in Dallas hockey and um, it's super cool to come back and see all these kids moving on and playing. So my, I guess if this answers the question properly, the biggest shout out for me is, Hockey families in Dallas. Dallas is a big spot to a great spot to be playing hockey. Keep doing in Dallas. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, I hope that you know that uh, people are proud of you down here. Yeah, you get brought up. Uh, you've been suggested for the podcast before, um, but I think a lot of people, like I was talking about earlier, kind of see you as that kind of first uh, crop of players that kind of decided, mm-hmm. hey, like we're gonna see what we're gonna do with this here. And now, obviously, there's tons of players doing that, but. I do feel like a lot of people felt like, uh, you know, you were that first crop. And I think there's a lot of people that are proud of you. Um, If we missed anything, let me know. But if not, uh, I have to do my shout out. Is there anything that we missed or is it time for me to do my shout out? Because I have to do it too. I think it's all you. All you now. 
Okay. Um, and I don't come up with that. I try and come up with these on the spot. Um, but, and here's kind of an interesting one because this includes you. Um, but I'm going to say for the guest, my shout out is for the guests that I have on. Um, I don't, I don't think some people realize that in order to set up like one of these, a lot of the times it takes like months or it takes like whatever, or I'm just like literally waiting. Sometimes I feel like I'm bothering these people, which at the end of the day, yeah, whatever. <laughs> they, they, they could ignore me or they could tell me to stop texting them. And if they don't, I'm just going to keep bothering them if I think they're going to be on the show. But um, just to my guests, I don't know how many of my old guests currently listen to the show or not, but it's one of those things to where, like yourself, Colin, if I if I have somebody in sight and they tell me that it is possible that we can do this, I will continue to bother them until the episode is recorded. Um, so, Colin, I hope I didn't bother you too much. But uh, anyway, I guess my shout out is oh. for the the patience of my guests. And I think once they come on the show, they they have a good time and they're like, oh, this is what it was. This was fun. Uh, but sometimes when people don't have any idea what it is, they're like, why is he texting me again? Um, but I'm, <laughs> usually, I'm, I'm usually pretty straightforward. Uh, if you don't tell me to stop bothering you, and I do say this verbatim, I'm like, hey, if you tell me you don't want to or you tell me to stop, like I will. But if you don't, I'm just going to keep bothering you once a month. And that's usually the rules once a month. Uh, but anyway, uh, so my shout out is for the guests. Um, Colin. Um, I have one more thing I have to do. I have to tell people how to get a hold of us, and then I'll let you go. Um, but people can find us at faceoffspotpodcast.com. I'll say that one more time. That's faceoffspotpodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, iTunes. I'm told wherever you can find podcasts, you can find our podcast. Uh, but anyway, oh, and another shout out to Howie's Hockey Tape Company. Uh, enter the coupon code FACEOFF10. That's FACEOFF and the number 10. Um, and then uh, Colin Jacobs, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an awesome conversation, and hopefully, um, I don't know, we'll run into each other at some point at one of these rinks down here uh, when you're not uh, overseas. But uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and I'm glad that we were finally able to get this done. Awesome. Thanks for bringing me on and talking a little Dallas hockey. And I definitely will be seeing you around the stars. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I will. Uh, Colin, thanks again. And uh, for everybody listening, we have episodes coming out every Thursday, so we'll check you later. All right, Colin, thanks. Thank you.